Um, I know there was a lot of interest in the ACB sessions this morning, so we think that this is just a great opportunity for our friends from the National Library Service as well as uh, American Printing House for the Blind, commonly referred to as NLS and APH, but just an opportunity for them to speak to everyone uh, to be able to share the, the great work that they are doing. So at this point, I would like to pass the microphone to a Jason, prob probably Jason Broughton uh, from the National Library Service. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jason Broughton. Thank you for having me here on this Sunday. I appreciate being here with you. And as I said earlier, for those who remember Callan Nellinger, I am the new Karen. That is the way you can remember me, the new Karen. So I'm here to kind of give you some updates about what NLS is doing. And I also have with us our deputy director, Jason Yasner. So yes, you heard there are two Jasons leading the National Library Service. Two Jasons, remember that. So with that, what I want to do is start out with some simple thoughts. And those thoughts basically are where we're going and what we're doing. In a simple word, it's accessibility, collaboration, and the benefits of both. So if you think about that, accessibility, collaboration, and the benefits of both, taking the first letter of each of those three words basically represents A, C, B. Look at there. I thought of you this morning on my ride on the Metro. I thought of you. So with that, when we talk about accessibility, we want to start with something simple. First off, you have to have the item in the collection for it even to be accessible. So what we're doing is making sure that we understand from our users, what does it look like to have a user-centered collection in which we're hearing from you for a variety of different things. So as we do that, our strategic goals are gonna be expand our access through availability and discoverability, elevate our digital experiences, which you'll hear from Jason Yasner talking about, modernize our operations, and most importantly, understand our users. So I'm talking to the choir right now. That's really what we're doing. We have to fully engage with you to understand what it is that we can do better and what we can, in a sense, also provide to you by way of who we are at the Library of Congress. So let's look at some things that we're doing. First off, as we go forward, we are looking at what we're going to call an era of enhancement. We're going to start enhancing things in micro-level ways and macro-level ways, from new devices to a whole suite of services that we believe will make your experience of what we're doing simpler, better, efficient, and effective. Now, I can't promise that this is going to be done quickly. Yes, you heard that from somebody from the federal government. It is not going to be fast. But I can say we're going to work on this, and we're always going to give you information that is relevant and timely. My goal, our goal, is to be as transparent as possible in letting you know what we do. Another big item is going to be the word growth. 
You're going to hear us talk about growing in different ways, and that means growth of the collection, growth of our user base, growth of our services, and growth in connecting with partners. So it's really important that we look at what it means to connect with all of you. So let's get into a few things when it talks about what we've actually done. So our collection that we have that you might not know, last year we circulated over 22 million items. So we have a, a good user base, but whatever we have, we circulate it completely as much as possible. We also made it out of the pandemic, I would say in a really helpful way. We also have, during that time, launched a very unique item, which is Braille on Demand, which you have participated in and is letting us know exactly what you want when it comes to Braille. So we're really pleased about that. We also have a forward-facing opportunity when it comes to public programming through items known as the Many Faces of Bard, a patron corner, reader advisory meetups, and a host of pop-up trainings for our network staff. When it comes to adding, I would say, a diverse amount of materials to our collection by way of the Marrakesh Treaty, we now have over 2,000 items in that, specific when it comes to titles, and we have tens of thousands of network items that are being added. It, again, will take time to bring all these things to fruition, but we have them in the queue. On a separate item that's been very helpful, we are re-engaging with veteran affairs and we have done some things when it comes to helping veterans with a single rapid sign-on pilot that we're doing that you're going to hear about. And of course, Jason Yasner will talk about the thing that you want to hear the most about, the Braille e-reader and what's going on with that. Last but not least, we have done some field testing when it comes to a few things, such as our smartphone pilot. Um, we have learned some things when it came to our smart speaker when it comes to Google. That's been unfortunate, so I know I had talked about this when we were in Omaha, but we are going to be migrating our um, conversations about what can be done with our smart speaker pilot in a different way. We're going to kind of close that one out. So you're hearing that in which we are kind of uh, winding down that kind of conversation. And within that, we are going to be making sure, again, as we grow, that we connect with you as users to understand what it is you believe we can do better upon. So customer service is also a unique thing, and I can say as a federal entity, it is rare from a library standpoint that we believe we are giving you wonderful support and constant feedback about what we're doing as a federal entity. With that, I'm gonna transfer this to Jason Yasner to talk about some of the technology-related items that we are navigating at the National Library Service. Thank you, Jason Broughton. Um, once again, it is such a pleasure to be here. Um, our relationship with ACB is extremely important to the Jasons and to the Library of Congress. And so being invited and being able to participate and meet all of you um, is really amazing. I just wanted to say, um, <clears throat> both of the Jasons are extremely good looking and we're very, very happy to be here. All right. so. 
As Jason Broughton said, we are in an era of enhancement. I like to say, uh, I use, like to use the expression, better, stronger, faster, if you remember the $6 million man show from the 70s. Better, stronger, faster. We want to make sure that our products and our services are the best possible uh, for all of you, the patrons, our customers. We know um, that we have... Um, a suite of services, um, which I will talk about in detail in a little bit. We know that we have a network out there of all the network libraries in the states and the territories and for our overseas patrons. And we know that we have our, our own internal systems at the Library of Congress that we need to modernize. So everything is about accentuating, refining, and perfecting, better, stronger, faster. One of the most important things we're trying to do this year, 2023 and 2024, is focus on patron growth. We know that we have hundreds of thousands of potential patrons out there in the United States and its territories that we could be serving. We want to be able to reach those people. We rely on the network libraries and our friendly organizations like ACB to promote NLS and to make awareness. We want to make sure that all ACB members are also NLS patrons. This is a service for you. So we hope that you help us and spread the word since you're ambassadors uh, for NLS as well. Um, getting to the suite of services, uh, I'm sure all of you are familiar with BARD, our Braille audio reading download application. Thank you. We're very proud of this. We consider it our premier product. We have Bard in many different flavors. We have a website. We have Bard Express, which is a Windows PC application. We have Bard Mobile in three different flavors, iOS for Apple, Android, and now um, uh, Amazon Fire Kindle. We are on the back end, and we have been modernizing BARD so that we can build in capabilities, feature enhancements, and capacity. We're hoping that as we grow, we will be able to serve as many patrons as possible who want to use BARD. So we had to redo BARD from the back end, which we're calling BARD 2.0. We recently launched it. It's in production, but most of our patrons are not using it because we want to um, uh, do some field testing, but everything is looking very good. We want to make sure that when you're using BARD, you're able to search well. You're able to find the things that you want. You're able to filter, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm really looking forward to BARD 2.0 um, being available to all of you. Um, we mentioned um, the smart speaker application. So we've been working on an Amazon Alexa skill and a Google Assistant action. This is all voice user interface. We feel that that's going to be part of the future. Uh, and we want to make sure that we are um, ready to roll out these applications to you if you're using smart speakers. We mentioned... Um, the Braille e-reader, which I'll go into a little more detail later, but this has been an extremely popular device uh, and it's been a long time in the making. Former director Karen Kenninger, this was her dream, this is her legacy. Uh, we um, lobbied Congress and we got the funding for it 
and it was a long road to find the vendors and to develop. And then the pandemic hit right when we were about to go full speed. And so both of our vendors uh, experienced major supply chain issues. So it has been rolling out more slowly than we wanted, more slowly than all of you wanted. But I can say that we have um, over 7,000 um, devices in the field right now. We have 41 states that are participating in this program along with our overseas patrons. And we hope that by the end of this calendar year, we will have um, e-reader devices in all 50 states and territories, et cetera. Um, the Braille e-reader, by rolling this out, we thought, we anticipated that our digital Braille downloads would increase. What we didn't realize is that they would explode exponentially. This is fantastic. This confirms even more than what we anticipated. And so we know how important the Braille e-reader is to our Braille reading patrons. And we will continue to produce and distribute devices as the demand is there. We have gotten great feedback, um, uh, very high satisfaction levels for both of the devices, but we do know we have gotten feedback that some states have yet to participate and we'll be working on that. So we appreciate your honest feedback on that. Another thing, of course, we're working on is um, synthetic speech. We know that certain um, things, uh, certain items um, you prefer to read in synthetic speech as opposed to narration. Uh, and we're working on different ways to make magazines and articles and smaller things like that available via synthetic speech. And then finally, you're probably all familiar with the digital talking book machine, the DTBM, which is that workhorse that plays books via cartridge. Um, we have 550,000 of those in our ecosystem, but they are over 10 years old. They weren't expected to last this long. Thank God they are. And we have a program to keep these in production as long as possible. In other words, repair them, resurrect them, but we're working on the next generation digital talking book machine, which we call the DA2. And this will also play books on cartridge, but it will have a Wi-Fi modem where you'll be able to connect to BARD. So you will have a machine. You can get cartridges if you want, but you'll also be able to connect to BARD if you have that capability and connectivity. Getting back to growth, um, we are upping our, our outreach. Part of it is being here with you and promoting awareness. You probably know we have advertising campaigns we've been doing for years. You've probably heard some of our TV commercials, radio spots, Facebook advertising, et cetera, et cetera. We've been working with veterans more closely. We have a veterans rapid sign-up program where we have worked with the Blinded Veterans Association to make sure that um, veterans that qualify for NLS services can become NLS patrons in a matter of minutes and BARD users in a matter of minutes. Um, and another place we're looking at is uh, the reading disabled. We know that there are hundreds of thousands of potential patrons out there uh, that would qualify for NLS services because of a reading disability. We want to make sure that they can also become NLS patrons easily. So 
to kind of wrap up my thing, some of our critical success factors. We need to work with our network libraries, and that includes you. The network libraries, in almost every case, is the one doing direct patron service. We want to make sure that the network libraries have all the tools and training that they need to give you, the patron, the best experience. And I encourage you to have conversations with your network libraries, with your reader advisors, et cetera, and let them know what you want, what titles you want, what services you want. You know, we want to hear the good, the bad, and the ugly, because it's the only way we're going to be able to improve our products and services. We've been working very closely with our own Library of Congress IT department to make sure that we are following our technology roadmap to make things better, stronger, faster. We are improving project and program management at NLS to make sure that we can get things, um, uh, use our resources well to provide success. We are improving our collections in the sense of growth. We're making sure we're getting more items. We're making sure we have more diversity, um, more topics. We're making sure that these items are more discoverable, accessible, and available to make sure that you can find what you're looking for. If you were in our focus group earlier, we talked about Braille modernization. We're having a renaissance of Braille. A lot of it has to do with the Braille e-reader, but we have different programs now so that we can have more digital Braille, more titles in Braille available to you. And we've got different prog um, um, programs such as Braille on Demand and Express Braille to get more Braille titles into the collection. And then if you're familiar with some of our programming and the macro and micro outreach that we talked about, um, we also have things like the Many Faces of Bard and the Patron Corner. As part of our last reorganization, we created a patron engagement section, which is creating all types of programming and training to let you be aware of what NLS uh, is doing, will be doing, and get your feedback for it. So we're extremely pleased to be here. The Jasons are very, very happy. We plan on doing this over and over again because we love to meet with you. And what a better way to spend our Sunday, right? <laughs> Anyway, I'm going to hand it back to Jason Broaden. I thank you for your time. Again, thank you for being here. I think I see a hand up. And all right, Clark is right next to me. So I'm trying to make sure that I can actually take questions. Clark, what are you thinking? Uh, absolutely. All right, we have, I think, uh, three hands on the floor. And I'm going to get up. I'm going to physically walk off this spaghetti <laughs> and that salad. So I'm going to be coming to the gentleman over here. And we will see what it looks like. Yes, sir. Uh, good afternoon. I miss the ability to download a whole series of books that I haven't read to my wish list. It was available for a while, and you know, if I read one, one book in a series and I decided I really liked it, I could immediately go back and, and download the rest of the books in the series. And uh, I don't think that's any longer available, and I'd love to have it back. And an enhancement to that would be to download it in um, chronological order, so it would be very easy to figure out you know, which, which book in the series is next, so I can download that for reading. Perfect. That has been noted. My, our deputy, Jason Yasner, is writing these items down as I am deciding to play Oprah today, going around the crowd. 
All right, so coming to the second question. This is Patty Cox. And my question is, is when will the library get services for those who are visually impaired and want to read large print? We do not want to hear the audio. I go to the library. I'm told it'll be two or three weeks to get a large print book because they have small they have a small amount of large print books at the library. I want to read that book now. So how can you make books that are in large print easier for us to get? Great question. And do you mind sharing what network or what state you are with? Kentucky. All right. This helps me because we can then connect with that network library in a host of ways to see what it looks like for resources and assistance when it comes to that. Jason Yasna has that noted. All right. My name's Tasha, and I just got a Mantis Q40, and we are noticing that we're not finding Bard able to download onto there and get our books. Is that something that will be coming? Oh, that definitely sounds like something we're going to be working on. We were unaware of that as a product item, and that is being noted. Thank you so much. Thank you. The Mantos, that was the definite one. Hi. Hello. Um, Okay, I'm from Connecticut, and we understand that in some, with some libraries, people are able to be members of Bookshare, and we, we haven't had that. It's how do we get that? Oh, now on that, I will say some of that is going to be based upon the states utilizing some of their funds to do that, but. At this moment, I will simply say, between the Jasons, that is something that we're working on on a very unique capacity, so look forward to hearing about that in the future from a federal standpoint. But each state decides if it wants to kind of join Bookshare at the current moment. Jason, thank you for coming. Uh, This is Ray Campbell from the great state of Illinois. Look forward to having you in Schaumburg this summer. I just wanted to say thank you for something that you've done on BARD the last several years, and that is making the commercially available books, marking them up and making them available. It gets books up there a lot faster that uh, people want to read, and I just want to say thank you for doing that, and I hope you'll keep doing that. Our collection development chief would stand and scream and say thank you. We will let Alice O'Reilly know that. That is really perfect to know, along with our staff. Thank you so much. Just, okay. <laughs> Take your time. Th- those weren't up two seconds ago. There you go. Okay. Um, I agree with Ray that it's nice that we have the commercial books, but sometimes the commercial books have interesting PDFs involved with them, and because they don't spell out the website address when they do them, mm-hmm. we don't have access to them very. It's a hit or miss thing to try to get it right. And I just wish we had more access to the PDFs that are out there. I don't mind downloading PDFs, but sometimes I can't even get to them. That is duly noted. That's being written down. More access to PDFs. Make them accessible. All right. The on Bard Express... Closer? Okay, thank you. Um, On Bard Express, when doing um, a search that... The, sometimes the, the links uh, 
like for the series name on the you know on the detail page you click the link for the series and it doesn't bring you the full series because every time it's been entered it hasn't been entered in the same format is there some way to um uh let you know about a particular situation so that it can be corrected? That's a very good question. We're improving BART Express as well, since it's part of our BART suite. Um, I've written this down. I'll be taking it to the BART Express developer. So thank you for your question. Sure. Perfect. Are any there more? any more questions for us? I think that we did see a hand. All right, she's coming around. He's, he's got to finish what's in his mouth right now. <laughs> Hi there, and thank you for coming today. Um, we have downloaded a series of books. It's the Ashes series. And 24 did not get recorded. However, it says it in the list up when you look for it in Bard. It lists 22, 23, and 24 together, but when you download it, only 24 is missing. So um, how do we go about talking to somebody about that, about getting that book recorded or something fixed? Well, you're talking to the directors of the organization, so you're letting us know right now. I can say that up front. That will be something that we'll need to take back to our collections because we want to find out if it's being narrated and when and if it is there, it might also be an issue of discoverability. So we'll take that question back, and you said it's the Archer series, because it is helpful to kind of be able to pull that out. Thank you, okay. The Archer series, we appreciate that. We have it duly noted, and we will take this back. Okay. John Sculptor Asher. The Asher series. Yeah, series is what it is. I saw a hand. All right. Ma'am, did you have your hand up? All right, I'm giving you the mic right behind you. Um, so how long, if you don't use your service of BARD, does it expire, and how do you get it reactivated? Ooh, great because mine always expires. When it expires? Oh, now this is an interesting question. All right. How long can you have it active? As far as I understand... If you download one book per year, your BARD account will remain active. <laughs> I guess in the real world, that's not what's happening. Um, I will check on that. I, I mean, that's what I have understood. Um, so using one, one download per year, but... And again... We want to thank you for your questions. We will take these back and to be, again, very helpful, we will try to compile answers and then send this back to Clark. That way it can be disseminated out to the group. Again, thank you so much. Well, if, if, thank you so much, Jason and Jason. Uh, just one follow, uh, two follow-up questions, actually. If folks would like to share... Um, you know, positive experiences, things that NLS is doing well, which one of you should they contact? Where, where, should, the, where should the praise go? 
Well, the praise will always go to the director and the innocent, the compliments to the director. Oh, the other ones to the other Jason. <laughs> but you can send this to either of us, Jason Broughton. Uh, my email, if you would like to have it, uh, just to hear it. And again, this can be provided. J Broughton, B-R-O-U-G-H-T-O-N at L-O-C.gov. And again, this will be distributed to you. Do not worry about actually having to write this down because you can easily get in contact to find me. That's, that's great. Thank you so much. Uh, Following uh, our first guest from the National Library Service, we now have our second guest, uh, and that is Paul Schrader from the American Printing House for the Blind, and Paul's going to share with us about some of the great work that APH is doing. Thanks, Clark. Here you go, Paul. There you are. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. Appreciate that. We love our NLS, don't we? Those guys are doing great work. You know, while, and while I have the microphone, Jason's, I will say, uh, I might be the only one in this room, but I'd like a few more nerd books. Um, you know, I feel like I log in, there's a lot of nice bestsellers and stuff, but, you know, George Orwell essays, can't find a good copy of those in the NLS. So a few more nerd books would be, uh, would be great. Um, listen, lots of great stuff happening at the American Printing House for the Blind with uh, applause or some other way of signifying. How many of you have visited APH in Louisville, Kentucky? How many of you have had some bourbon in Louisville, Kentucky? <laughs> Same number? <laughs> How come there's more of you uh, than there is of the, of the APH group? Um, well, a couple, a couple updates. We are uh, changing APH in some ways. Uh, Craig Metter, who took over seven years ago, I want to say. Um, and all of the management team is now new since he's uh, got there. And I'm one of them, and I'm very pleased to be at APH handling policy and outreach and other cool stuff like that. Um, but I think we've really tried to change APH a little bit, kind of shake off some of the, uh, some of the dust that accumulates in, uh, since 1858 when we were founded. Um, yes, sir. And uh, uh, see if we can modernize things a little bit. And that's, that's been a lot of what Craig has been up to. So one of the first things I want to ask is, how many of you have visited the museum at the American Printing House for the Blind when you've been there? I love that museum. It's a, it's a great mix of developments in tactile and braille tech, uh, reading and writing implements, of course, uh, audio as well, and other things that have changed. But over the next two years, we're going to be building a new museum, make a major renovation to APH, changing the building, changing the footprint, and adding a significant new museum. And a big part of that is to be able to showcase the Helen Keller archives that we have on loan from the American Foundation for the Blind. And thank you, AFB, for letting us have that. Um, that's going to be a centerpiece of this museum, but we're going to have a lot more capacity as well to tell the story, to tell the story of 
success and challenges to tell the story of how blind people ourselves have created much of the technology and the techniques that have allowed us to become more independent, to seek employment, to succeed in education. Um, and of course, the story of the many others around who have helped make this possible, the professionals, the parents, uh, and the individuals themselves uh, who have helped develop these uh, techniques and technologies and methods and practices. <clears throat> so. Um, I would invite ACB to think about coming back to Louisville for a convention, but after 2025, uh, <laughs> when we've got a new museum to show you. And as I like to put it, Louisville is the home of four Bs. Bourbon, we all know that. Baseball, of course. The, uh, the, uh, <laughs> the, the baseball bat factory. Boxing, Muhammad Ali and the Muhammad Ali Center and of course, blindness, the American Printing House of the Blind. So there you are, the four Bs of Louisville. Come join us, uh, we're, we're, we'll welcome you when you're ready. A um, Couple of the things I wanna point to at APH, we are trying to be much more engaged and uh, outreach oriented so that we're hearing from professionals and consumers more about our products, what's working, what's not working, what would you like changed, what would you like developed that we don't have today. One of the areas that has been a weakness for APH is our services for adults. We are able to serve adults, but in a fairly limited way, and we need to improve that. So that's one of the areas of engagement that I'm hoping we can put much more focus on, as well as ensuring that our states are adequately counting and acknowledging the students pre-K through 12 who are at the core of the American Printing House for the Blind Services. Connect Center. Anyone familiar with Connect Center? And it's, it's, an, it, it's antecedents. It's antecedents, Career Connect, Family Connect, Vision Aware. Um, I just wanted to be able to say antecedents. Mostly that was all. It, it really didn't care beyond that, but I wanted to be able to say that. Um, Connect Center is at the American Printing House for the Blind. We hope that people will take advantage of the resources available to you. Job Seeker Toolkit for you or someone you might know who's interested in seeking employment and it wants to go through a process uh, to get ready to do that, to explore and to facilitate how the, you talk about your skills. Job Seeker Toolkit's an excellent tool to do that. For parents, uh, new to uh, having children with vision loss, uh, the Family Connect, the family area of the new Connect Center will be the place to go. And of course, people seeking independence, always uh, vision aware uh, as part of the Connect Center. So we're revising that website and reviving that website to make it much more user-friendly uh, than it's been. Uh, again, uh, applause to AFB for its work to get the Connect Center, uh, the, all those Connect programs started. And we're delighted to uh, now have them uh, to continued development. I want to close uh, a little bit uh, with technology. Now, uh, before I launch too much into technology, I will point out that APH, as I said, has been around since 1858. Um, if if, if I were in charge, um, I certainly would wish we had changed our name a long time ago. American Printing House almost has nothing to do with what we do. Um, 
Of course, it did in 1858 when we were literally doing tactile print books, raised print books, uh, but, but it doesn't really any, any longer in a way make sense. And so we're, we're kind of stuck with this old name. That's the, the advantage of being an old organization is you have legacy. The disadvantage is you're stuck with a name. And so um, American Printing House, people come by our exhibit and they want to sell us printing products and stuff and ink and I don't know, whatnot. Um, and I, we have to explain that, yes, we do large print, of course, and, and that's a, a, an important part of what we do. But, um, but we do make products, and we have made, from the beginning, uh, instructional aids and products and, and supports uh, for students who are blind and students whose vision is accompanied by multiple disabilities. And so we have a number of things uh, that serve the population at large uh, to support students in schools. But I do want to focus a bit on technology because I think it's one of the interesting areas. So um, for those who are uh, uh, individuals use, with usable vision, using their vision in the classroom, we have a number of magnifiers that have become quite popular, the Junos and Jupiters and MatConnects, um, that have allowed uh, students to have a lot more capability to uh, engage in their classroom and see uh, the, the front of the room, the material on their desk. And I am told that I think it's the Juno that you can even spin the camera and you know work on your makeup. Um, I have not done this myself, um, but it, I'm, I am told that I can, could do it. Um, it with, with total blindness, I don't think it's going to make much difference. But there it is. It's possible. So there's been a real revolution in magnification technology with the tablets and the cameras that have improved so much. Uh, and it's thrilling to see um, how much it means. And there's a quick story I want to tell. When I was asking our, uh, the folks who handle uh, the, the federal appropriation, as you know, we get federal money to support students and to make the products available to students. And one of our individuals out in Oklahoma told me a story about a young uh, female student who had one, who, I don't remember which magnifier she had given her, but the, she had shown the student the magnifier and she was looking around the classroom and didn't want to let go of it once she had it, of course. And, um, but then she set it down and she ran to the back of the room and the, the, the teacher was like, I wonder what, what's she doing? And she came back and she had, she had gotten a couple of pennies out of her backpack and she said, this is what I've got, but I want to contribute to make sure another student has access to this magnifier. And... I mean, when I first read that story, I started crying. I mean, it was just, it was, it was sweet, and it was also, I mean, I think we've all had some version of that kind of experience where we got our hands on something, and it just, we wanted everyone to have it, uh, to have that opportunity. And I'm thrilled to be at, at APH where we can help do that. So lots of great stuff happening in the low vision space. But, uh, yeah, I, it's exciting. Uh, and I, but, but I want to close with Braille. Um, because we're doing a lot of st uh, work with Braille as well. Someone mentioned the Mantis Q40. I know. I've got a Mantis Q40. I didn't bring it with me today, but I've got that, and I've got a Chameleon, our smaller uh, device that is the 20-cell display that we make available, uh, it, it display and note taker. So the Mantis Q40, of course, QWERTY keyboard, 40-cell, really nice uh, device, I think very popular among adults, working age adults. It's a great tool for employment success. Uh, lots of capability. And I did take a note about BARD and we'll figure out, um, you know, what we can do working with those Jasons. Um, now, unfortunately, I don't think we have any Jasons at APH. We have a lot of Sarahs. Uh, so we could trade you a Sarah for a Jason. And, uh, 
if that works, uh, maybe that's a, that's a way to make that work. Um, so uh, we've got the Mantis Q40 and the Chameleon, our uh, Braille display products that we've partnered with Humanware to develop and have been very successful. And I, I like them both quite a bit. And I you know, encourage you to check them out if you have a chance. We've also been doing some work with embossers. Uh, and we have Pix and Page Blaster uh, available. On, and, and again, all of these are available through our federal funding on the uh, what's called the quota program so that s school states are able to purchase these devices for students. Um, for, but, but, but they also can be purchased straight up as a cash sale if you're interested. And I know a lot of people have, have obtained the Mantis at about 2,600 bucks. It's not a bad deal actually for a 40 cell QWERTY keyboard device. But I want to close with what I came here this morning for some of you in the breakout to talk about, and that is our effort to revolutionize Braille displays to create a multi-line tactile graphics capable Braille device. Anyone in this room been waiting for something like that to happen? I know I have. Since I first got my hands on a Braille display, and I'm, you know, getting up there in years, uh, so it's been a while. Um, I've wanted, like many of you, to be able to enjoy multiple lines of Braille, to really sit and experience a Braille display the way a sighted person experiences their monitor. Multiple lines, layout, formatting. And then, I didn't think it'd be possible to throw in graphics. But yeah, that's what we're working on. And so we, we, we have a, I have this device. It's called the Monarch. We've just released it in beta form. So it's early stage. It is just out of the cocoon, uh, if you're a Monarch Butterfly fan. Um, and, you know, who's not? Um, and so it is early stage beta. Happy to show people if you're around this afternoon. I'll, I'll hang out for a little bit. Um, it is a 10-line, 32-cell display. We decided and we kind of worked with groups for a while to figure out what would be optimal for the size of the device and enough display real estate to make it valuable. And that's how we settled on 10 lines, 32, 32 cells. Uh, and so we're able to show the multi-line Braille format. And it does have Perkins-style keyboard input, by the way. So those of you who are comfortable with that. We've got a Braille editor. We'll have a word processor. We're planning to have a lot of different apps for this device as we develop it. Uh, and those are happening as we speak. They'll be being added during the next year as we're testing and putting this beta through its paces to finalize it and get it into a uh, final form for distribution, hopefully in the fall of 2024. So that's an ambitious time frame. Uh, but we're, we're, we're hoping we're, we'll be able to be successful. And, and Jason mentioned earlier supply chain. That has, that has certainly affected humanware uh, for this device as it has for the e-readers as well. And so, you know, that will be a challenge and will be a, a, something we'll be all contending with. But we're hoping to be able to start putting this in final form into students' hands in the end of 2024. Um, it is... Uh, it, a, about four and a half pounds. It is about the size of a gaming laptop, so a 15-inch or so, I want to say, monitor uh, laptop. Um, it, is, it, is, it is portable. It will fit on a desktop. The priority for us in this, in, in this device, of course, was to make a device that could be Braille and graphics capable. So we could show tactile graphics and we could have multiple lines of Braille on, on one device. And we've achieved that. 
And we want to make sure that it will be an effective book reading device because that is our first priority is to make sure we can get textbooks under the fingertips of blind students in a timely fashion, no longer waiting for the vicissitudes of free matter for the blind, of printers, of binders, of boxes showing up out of order, all of that stuff that happens, we all know. Um, the book can come and be streamed right into the device. And, and if it had to be done in chapters, we could do it that way too, but it could still come and straight, you know, within minutes to the device, when the, within minutes of being created and finalized as a transcribed uh, textbook. And so that is our priority. That is our promise, is to make books available in a timely fashion and to get this device into the hands of blind students. Last thing I'll say about it is we are working with Congress to find additional funding because... Look, Braille's expensive. You know, I talked about the Mantis being about $2,500 for 40 cells. Well, this is 320 cells of Braille. Uh, and uh, if you just did the, the math, um, you know, that would be about a 20,000 plus device if you multiplied cell, uh, cell times. But we're, uh, we're planning to have this in the 12 to 15,000 range. Obviously, still very expensive. Uh, not something that you know everybody's going to be able to put down their own money for, but we're hoping that this will be the appropriate use of federal taxpayer dollars to support blind students because after all, we do know that just the printing, rather the embossing and binding of a Braille textbook can run into the thousands of dollars. And that's just one textbook for, for a kid's class, right? And so we're already spending a ton of money to produce Braille, and that's fine, that's good. Braille is good, and we, and, 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 and we should be spending the money to do that. That's why APH exists in the first place, is to be able to support the, 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 the expense of being able to provide educational supports for our students. But we think with the Monarch, we're going to be able to make the Braille available much more quickly, much more efficiently, and a little bit more cost-effectively. Will paper books go away? No. Paper books remain important for those who need them, those who want them. Uh, but I suspect that most people will start choosing, as sighted students have begun to, uh, to choose to move toward electronics. So let me stop there. Uh, I've got, as I said, the Monarch with me. Happy to talk to folks. And my email, if you want to contact me, it's pschrader. So it's P, as in Paul, P-S-C-H, R-O-E-D-E-R at A-P-H dot org. I know that both the Jasons and me created complicated last names for you uh, for, for your email, so uh, you, know, thank, you, can, well, you can thank us for that. P-S-C-H-R-O-E-D-E-R at A-P-H dot org. And I'll take a question or two if people have them. And I have covered the territory. All right, is somebody, is somebody running mics? Or? She's coming. There's a hush that's fallen over the room yep, as I have we a, wait for the question. I have a question for you. Um, All right. Are you still in need of beta testers for the Monarch? And um, that's my first question, and then I've got a real quick second question. Um, we are having people test the beta device. Pri our, our first prior, I wouldn't say it's priority, but our first outreach is to educators to make sure, because again, our primary service is to, uh, is to the K-12 or pre-K-12 uh, universe. And so we're working first 
with teachers to make sure they have a comfort level with the device. We will be working with organizations, and certainly ACB is one of them, uh, to make sure we get this into the hands of consumers as well. So I don't know what our formal testing program is. I'm happy to have people send me questions, and uh, we, can, we can line you up with, with folks as that begins to develop. But right now, we're just rolling out what training will look like on this uh, device that's obviously very new for our environment. Um, and my second question is, thanks for the answer on that one, I'm very interested in that. My main interest in this, I mean, the multi-line display is a great idea for reading, but my thing is, is graphics. And so let's say you have a graphic that is larger than your 32 characters wide and 10 line. You have the ability, maybe this is getting off subject, I don't know, but you have the ability to slide the display down so you can actually see graphic uh, the whole picture, at least... Uh, yeah, point and, by point. Yes, and I, the, the question is, can we move uh, around the graphic around the display to be able to see various parts of it if it's larger than the display? The answer is yes, and I'd be happy to show you that, actually. So we've got a couple of capabilities, and, and I will say this, right now there's more work that needs to be done on graphic image files themselves, right, for, for use in Braille. Since we've never really created graphics for use on a, an electronic display, um, we haven't really had graphics that um, can change and be manipulated uh, effectively on a display. But we do have the capability on the Monarch as it stands today to zoom in and zoom out. And we also, uh, so that'll give you a different view of, of a graphic. And we also have the capability to move with your usual left, right, up, down cursor keys. Uh, we have a, the, the ability to move the graphic around the display if you need to uh, maximize a part of it or you're not seeing a part of it that has fallen off the left or right side. No other hands. Hey, well, thanks so much. I'm here if you have questions. Clark Rockfall. Thank you so much, Paul. And also, a big thank you to APH for being a Beltway sponsor of the DC Leadership Conference. And as, as Paul stated, he will be around. So if you want to get hands-on with the, with the Monarch, He'll be here for a little while to let folks. Would you like to do it? Uh, I don't know where. Do it in this room? Uh, is this room good? Yeah. Yeah. It, um, he turns to look at Nancy and Kelly. Will this? Can we just have him stay in this room after lunch? Paul. <laughs> can, can Paul Schrader stay in this room following lunch? Yes, that's a yes. That's a yes from Nancy Becker. So, so there you go. Uh, quick question for the the room for the room here as I check the time. All right, so it, it is twelve forty three, or according to Dan's talking watch, eleven forty three. But the the bus will begin loading at one for the afternoon tour. And remember Rhonda's words of advice. Um, about the amount of walking and the ability to stay on the bus, um, also dress warmly. Uh, so that is for the tours. Uh, quick round of, by show of applause, how many folks have in-person meetings on Capitol Hill tomorrow? Okay. Uh, if folks have any questions, 
related to in-person meetings on Capitol Hill tomorrow. Uh, I'm happy to, to stick around here, but we could also take some of those questions now uh, if folks are leaving for the tour as well. We have a question over here. Question over here, Mark. That's a question from Ray Campbell. Uh, yes. Clark, um, so we do have uh, four in-person meetings tomorrow. Um, is somebody going, is there, are there going to be hard copies of the one-pagers provided so that uh, we can take them with us? We do not have hard copies of the one-pager. Um, I'd recommend, it, it is available on the event website and was emailed out. Yeah. I'd recommend emailing that either prior okay. to your meeting or using that as a great reason to follow up with a thank you uh, okay. to include after the meeting. Okay, that's what I, I was wondering about that. Thank you. All right. Any other questions related to Hill Meeting, in-person Hill Meetings tomorrow? Uh, this is Casey. What, we have a 10 o'clock meeting. What about transportation? So trans, what about transportation? Casey from Michigan has a 10 a.m. meeting. Uh, so transportation, I would recommend either a ride share or a taxi from the hotel to Capitol Hill. And with a, with a 10 o'clock meeting, uh, you probably want to be requesting that around uh, 8.45 uh, or so. Yeah, uh, the, the 8, 8.30 time frame, uh, it is, traffic is pretty thick and heavy. Um, if you want more time once you are at Capitol Hill uh, to be able to, to navigate the building, um, you could head out around 8.30. But I, I think between 8.30 and 8.45, you should be in a, a pretty good space for a 10 a.m. meeting. So do you, do you have them drop you off? Or, uh, how far? Like I, we have to go to the Rayburn building. So... You just get off, say, Capitol Hill, and then you find the Rayburn building, or how does that... You, so, uh, he has a, your 10 a.m. meeting is at the Rayburn building. Uh, if you are getting a rideshare or a taxi, you can tell them to take you to the Rayburn House office building. Uh, this one I know off the top of my head, which is 45 Independence Avenue. Uh, and they, they will pull up right out front. There's a few stairs up to the door. There's security screening, and you will be able to go in. Uh, I guess one, one note here, if you are checking out of the hotel tomorrow, I am not sure about the current uh, security restrictions, but I would not plan on bringing your luggage with you. I would recommend uh, checking. We're not checking out. <laughs> okay, great. So, so for anyone, anyone who's going to, uh, it, anyone who is checking out of the hotel tomorrow, I would recommend 
checking your luggage at the hotel front desk and not taking it to Capitol Hill with you? No other hands raised, Clark. All right. Well, if there's no other hands, uh, much like uh, my buddy Paul Schrader is sticking around, I will be sticking around here as well if, if folks want to chat uh, that anything about the legislative imperatives or about in-person Hill meetings tomorrow. So at this point, I'd like to turn it back over to our uh, fearless leader, current president, future interim executive director, uh, Leslie Spoon's husband. All right. Well, everybody, have we had a good time? Are we ready to go on Capitol Hill and give them a hard time? All right. Again, thank you all so much for being here this week. The rally was absolutely sensational. Did an absolute fantastic, absolutely fantastic job. Everybody did. I want to give a special thanks to our staff that worked so hard pulling all this together this week. So to Eric Bridges, to Kelly Gass, to Clark Rockfull, Nancy Becker, Caitlin Herrera. Wasn't it great to meet Caitlin? Woo! Colby Garrison. All right, Colby. Cindy Hollis. On and on and on. Everybody just did. Tabitha Kinlon. It was great to see her for the first time. It was just amazing, all the people that participated so hard. Oh, and don't forget Swatha Nandukumar. Swatha's the one who got us the contact with the administration that got us to the Treasury, folks. Way to go, Swatha. So, so many people contributing so much to make this happen. And I just want to thank you all for being here. Enjoy the tour. Enjoy maybe dinner on your own and a little relaxation this evening. It, oh, it's, it's Selection Sunday races. My college basketball team is uh, looking to maybe make it to the NIT, so yeah. yeah. But anyway, all right, everybody have a great, great night tonight, great day at the tour, and give them a hard time tomorrow on Capitol Hill. We love you.